Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it is once again uh, Apple news. So much so much Apple news we've been focusing on. But Apple just announced uh, two new MacBook Pros and new processors. I think it's kind of like, once again, made the computer world a little shook. You know, it's like just the level of power yeah. and everything people are talking about. So... These things are very exciting. We will chat about all that. Um, Google finally announced the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, and Sherlyn is really eager to chat about that. We'll also be chatting about oh, yeah. Sherlyn's Surface Duo 2 review with Michael Fisher, mm-hmm. Mr. Mobile himself. So stay tuned for Yay. all that. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That one is particularly helpful. And you can drop us a line at podcast at Engadget.com. We also live stream uh, our recordings, typically around Thursday, uh, 10 a.m. So you could join us for that on the YouTube channel. Um, it's fun. We, we have a good core group of people, and you can get to see things like Sherlyn trying to fix her hair. So that's always fun. All right. We've got new MacBook Pros, finally. And I want to give you guys a little yeah. backstory here, because I reviewed all the uh, M1 laptops last year from Apple. I was so impressed with the MacBook Air. Uh, that thing was just astounding price-wise. And then I reviewed the MacBook Pro, and I was just like, huh, there's uh, you're, you're spending a couple hundred dollars more, and it's actually not that much faster than the already very fast MacBook Air. Uh, they basically added a fan to do, like, sustained workloads, but that was it. It didn't feel really pro to me. So these two new laptops, there's a 14-inch MacBook Pro and a revamped 16-inch MacBook Pro. They have new processors, the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips. They have a lot of ports. (laughs) They have full-size HDMI, once again, finally. They've got SD card ports, uh, which are my, like, the thing I want in every single laptop. You know, they've got multiple USB-Cs, three of those, and a MagSafe power adapter, so you don't have to eat up a USB-C connection just for power. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, They're potentially a lot more powerful and um, very exciting. Shalyn, I got to ask you, what is your first impression uh, upon seeing and hearing the details about these new computers? I thought when you were ending that that you know, intro to the, what the MacBook mm-hmm. Pros are. Um, you were going to end with very expensive because very expensive. they are like a significant price hike from before too. And mm-hmm. I mean, what was it? The thirteen, uh, the thirteen hundred dollar version now starts at 
1999, yeah. which is basically $2,000. I think because um, they're, yeah. they're, and I've, I've thought about this too, because, right, we've been consuming this news. The 60-inch MacBook Pro was always super expensive. When I reviewed that thing two years ago, it started $2,300. The new 60-inch mm-hmm. starts at $2,499, so, you know, a little more. The 14-inch seems like they just shrunk down the 16-inch, right? Like, it, it is in that mm-hmm. category rather than saying, hey, here's the new 13-inch. Because the 13-inch MacBook Pro is still around. Um, it's going to have the old M1 chip. Uh, it's fine. And that still starts at $1,300, right? So, yeah. I, it's just, yeah, just re- a, a reminder that the 1999 model starts with, like, an 8-core um, CPU instead of the 10-core one that that is usually the one advertised. So it's like like Devendra said before um, elsewhere, um, you know, the, the language is always up to 10 cores. It's not, yeah. So just just a, something worth noting anyway. I personally am not a MacBook person, so I probably am not like as excited about these as some people on staff are. I think the power is intriguing. And for me, just in observation and, and just being in the industry, I am excited to see how these chi- chips do. I want to see them outperform Intel on a whole other level, um, or or AMD, you know, or so. AMD. Like, so we are we're probably going to get a closer look at these soon, probably next week, because that's when these things are going to be shipping out. But let me just round out the other specs. Um, the screens are fantastic. Uh, you know, a little bit more than fourteen inches, a little bit more than sixteen inches. Basically, bringing over a lot of the technology from the iPad Pro. So it's the uh, the Pro. XDR screen, there's HDR compatibility, it's super bright because it has mini LED backlights, and it has a 120 hertz variable refresh rate. So everything will look a lot smoother as we've been talking about. So that was true also of the Surface Pro 8 and the Surface Laptop Studio. Uh, Also had higher refresh rate, not the same technology, but that was cool. It's just cool. Like uh, seeing everything here, I'm like, yes, yes, more, more, more tech. You. You bring up a good point that the like Surface Laptop Studio and Pro they don't they have modes that keep them in either 120 hertz or 60 hertz, whereas this is ProMotion, which is adaptive, which will just shift based on what you're doing. I think right? they say, if I'm not wrong, it, I think they say it goes as low to like 24 hertz, so it's like it, yeah. I thought I saw 10. 10 it's yeah. smart enough to like slow down the screen if you're just like staring at right. a document or something, and then speed it up as you're scrolling. Um, Microsoft has been really fishy about that because every time I ask them, um, they say there is some software stuff in there to kind of like save battery life and not just like throw a high refresh rate at your screen all the time if you don't really need it. But they've been very cagey about how that works. Um, so in your system settings, you're still choosing 60 hertz or 120 hertz. Yeah. I think they're just letting it be. They're kind of thinking, well, the screen's not refreshing. Like if you're statically looking at an uh-huh. image, the screen's not like necessarily refreshing or doing anything, then it's like not at a high refresh rate, right? Because it's not doing I like that to, much. I, I like know. to know I, how things work. That's all. So yeah, yeah Microsoft, Microsoft yeah. just being like, don't worry about it. Uh, software is taking care of it. Really sounds iffy to me. Um, oh, it's a trend it's, from Microsoft. We'll get into that later. It's a trend. But I, I do think like the overall takeaway here is these things are super powerful and they're actually MacBook Pros, right? Because I think once they started getting rid of ports that people always needed, I believe it was like 2016 era MacBook Pro, they got rid of like the HDMI and a lot of stuff people actually wanted and just gave you like four USB-Cs. And they said, deal with it, you know, deal with the dongles, mm-hmm. deal with the the cables and the adapters that you need for that. This, um, both of these machines seem like things that an actual professional can take somewhere and do some serious work with. And um, that's also because these chips are supposed to be really powerful. Uh, the M1 Pro mm-hmm. 
is a up to, up to 10 core CPU, up to 16 core GPU, and um, up to 32 gigabytes of memory. And this is also mm. on a five nanometer process like the M1. The M1 Max goes even further. That's up to a 32 core GPU. That is huge, up to 64 gigabytes of memory. I don't think I've ever used a laptop with that much RAM. So yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is something. And I think talking to pro users, like they were so disappointed with the last year's MacBook Pro. This is the big revamp people have been waiting for. Um, they also have mm-hmm. the keyboards we first saw on the MacBook, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which I really like. That, that was the Magic Keyboard. It feels really good and responsive. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. Um, yeah, yeah. I know you're not really a MacBook person, Trillin, but are you tempted? Like, are you tempted by the sheer power in these things? I um, am. I if if again, if only for the comparisons to like Intel's chips. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see what that happen, uh, what that does. I also am glad to hear like what Apple's cute. You know, like okay, get away, get rid of the ports. No, 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 no. We made a mistake bringing it back. Oh, oh, Touch Bar, is so cool, innovate. Hey. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's take Let's it. Take it. There, there's no touch bar <laughs> I, I, I here. I love that. It does seem like Apple yeah. slowly but truly is like just backing away from every design decision uh, Johnny Ive made, basically. Like we are kind of going back. Specifically, these two things look like the power books. And uh, I, I don't know if that was before your time or not, Sherlyn, but uh, the it's power books. Yeah, I don't remember like any the of Like the G4 and I think G3 titanium power books like were beautiful machines. They were like a little chunky, but had these like great rounded edges all the ports you'd need. Um, it is weird that it looks like Apple's basically just going 20 years back into the past to, to, to design these things. But what what are they going to do, right? They still need to have enough space for ports if they want to actually include those ports. They can't keep going thinner if they actually want to you know, put in more power. And I think we're all learning too, like with the Surface Laptop Studio, we, we don't need to go thinner. We can we can like yeah. start chunking up these laptops if you want more battery life, if you want more power. That's just kind of the... Uh, it's kind of the reality you have to live in, right? So I'm I'm really excited by these. I want to know like what people are thinking, um, especially you, Ben. I remember you've been waiting for your good upgrade moment. How do you feel about these machines? So I'm very excited by this for the purposes that I would use them for, which is mm-hmm. mostly like you know big, big multi-track uh, radio yep. projects or something with a lot of sound design and stuff. Between the M1 Pro and the availability of, you know, maybe 32 gigabytes of RAM, I have a feeling that I'm, if a friend of a friend who produced the Wolverine podcast for uh-huh. Marvel, it is fully spatial audio. Mm-hmm. He used a like whole binaural setup. There are tracks on tracks on tracks of yeah. sound design and everything. And I feel pretty confident that I could run every single one of those tracks if they sent me the session file. Sure, That's really, sure. really cool. But for my personal stupid little reasons, the <laughs> thing that I'm most excited about is one one, the availability of running two screen or two outboard screens, mm-hmm. two external monitors. So that would give me a total of three monitors, right? Mm-hmm. Is that am I understanding that That's right? That's true. Although the last, like you could always do that with the older MacBook Pros and the the last M1 chip, the people started making dongles that let you do 
up more than one screen. But yeah, you you can do what you're saying. It is nice to have a completely on label use because if you like let mm-hmm. if you need to get it serviced and you kind of let it slip that you were using kind of an off label use, they would be like, mm-hmm. oh well, you burned it out yourself. You did it. You asked you it to it. do too much. Weirdly, I'm also wondering whether or not the 120 hertz refresh rate applies to the cursor that goes across yes. my screen as I'm editing Any, anything audio. Anything that moves. Like, really anything that moves? Because I'm, I'm wondering if there's any kind of a threshold that you um, have to cross in order for... Mm-hmm. like the 120 hertz to fully kick on because like I, when you're scrolling like it, you can be scrolling yeah. pretty fast yeah. this thing does not go that fast this yeah like, and it can't like localize refresh rate for a single thing um i, I don't know I, I think we shall see do you have a preference for 14 inch or 16 inch like if you want a big timeline don't you want the bigger screen oh yeah i would absolutely i would absolutely do a 16 inch so i remember right before the pandemic the engadget office got the 16 inch macbook pro this was the last intel version and so i got a chance to put my hands on that for just a little bit and i was comparing it to my 2012 macbook that's what like 15.3 or 15.5 inches or something and i'm like honestly it it there it does feel like there's a difference it's weird but it does you feel like a there's more. a difference uh-huh uh-huh we didn't mention by the way both of these computers have camera notches and that is i was getting yeah. to that like I, that yeah. was the next thing i wanted to bring up after you guys yeah. were done. that's been a controversial <laughs> yeah. thing because like hey uh people are already complaining about them on the iphone we're kind of ready for them to go away from the iphone very funny to see apple just kind of throw it into the macbook line here um i don't hate them is the thing. I think the initial visceral reaction was like, oh no, this is hilarious. Look at what Apple's doing. Whereas uh, we have seen much dumber PC alternatives. <laughs> We've seen pop-out cameras from some companies. Uh, I reviewed an Asus gaming laptop that basically had like an, an, a notch that stuck out from the top, which that's just begging to be broken. We remember the Dell XPS used to have the nose cameras at the bottom. So there have been a lot of dumb <laughs> ways of like managing the webcams. Uh, I think the smart thing Apple did here is that it looks like the notch is also where the system like bar is, you know, the menu bar and everything. And that's actually always been something that just eats up real estate on your Mac. You can't, you can go full screen, you could turn it off that way. But now it seems like your workspace is right below the actual menu space. And to me, you still get like a decent amount of workspace. It's just like that little bit, the the file menu and everything is all just shifted up the Apple menu. Um, how do you feel about this, Roland? Like, uh, and Ben, like, do, do you guys think this is disruptive or weird or just different? It's annoying. I get that. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to dunk on this for yeah. a long time. There you don't was... use that space in the menu bar. It's just on your Mac. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, it's no, just the menu like, bar. Yeah. And I yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a program that takes up that much space. You know, you'll have file and edit and like all of that stuff, but it never gets to anywhere near the center of that bar. People will continue to dunk on it though. Like remember that commercial um for I think it was probably an Android phone or something with the guy who had a hairline that was exactly like the notch on the iPhone 10 or so. I'm not saying that they designed it this way so that it would be really easy to see from a distance, but it's just one of those things that you can look at at a glance and you're like, oh, that's one of the new M1 Pro MacBooks. It's true. It, it is. A, it's a little bit. I do remember when like the original PowerBook G Force came out and it was like 
maybe a little after like once apple started doing like the big magic uh, touchpad and t- trackpad stuff like that's when you could walk into a coffee house and see they have the newest mac so maybe that's part of it um do want to say these new ca- webcams are 1080p finally um for some reason apple has only used 720p on their macbooks and macbook pros until now so hey that's a big step forward um I don't think the notch is that bad, but I guess the one thing it doesn't have is face ID and somebody, you know, I was kind of expecting that given the size of the notch and everything. Now it's still going to rely on touch ID, fingerprint uh, sensing and everything. So, you know, that's a, that's not the greatest thing. Um, One thing I also want to shout out is that they also have uh, both of these laptops also have six speakers and uh, spatial audio support. So, I remember the 16-inch MacBook Pro sounding great. Doubt, uh, doubt about doubt. the spatial audio, spatial I, listen, audio out of a anything. laptop. If, okay, sure. If you've sure. watched a, Bo- a Bose TV commercial or something, anything can have spatial audio. Anything can have like fake surround sound. So uh, yeah, we got to see how these things work. I do remember the 16-inch MacBook Pro speakers being really, really good. So like once you're at that size and. Dell has been doing this too. Like a lot of companies have been really focusing on audio quality on these things. They're also supposed to be better onboard microphones too, to like, they say record instruments. Um, but I, I think more like you will just be the boss of every, you know, uh, web meeting you're on, uh, every, every video meeting. So I think that's the the main thing. Do you guys have any major takeaways about either of these machines? Would you want to play with them? Do you think the pricing is just too high? $19.99 for the 14-inch, uh, $24.99 for the 16-inch? I mean, I'm not a MacBook person, so I'm not. But I want to remind everyone that Apple didn't just announce MacBooks at the Apple event. Mm-hmm. There were AirPods. There were music things. There were new HomePod minis that didn't look all that new. Just, just got color. new colors. Just color. But yeah. uh, the most... Hyped about product out of Apple from yesterday or from this week, apparently, is a $19 microfiber cleaning cloth. I don't, I don't um, think apparently is super out of stock. I, I don't super, think hype is the word. It was more hot. like <laughs> mock the most mocked product that people were. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I hope you understand yeah. sarcasm someday. Um, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently a lot of people were dunking on this thing. Yes. Microfiber uh, cloths don't generally cost $1,900. Uh, $1,900. I mean, $19. don't give them ideas. I'm sure they're thinking oh my of God, like, exactly. how to make a $1,900 cloth. Uh, they're going to be like, yeah. this is crazy crystalline fibers and diamond color things the the diamonds are going to clean your screens that's how that's going to work uh and mike jones jr in our chat says it's the eye cloth it's the eye cloth lord (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah there is more coverage of everything that apple announced including the fun new colors for the home pods and the new air the uh, new line of airpods AirPods with spatial audio yes new airpods Mm. with spatial audio on the engadget site which seemed fine yeah. If we're wrapping things up, since I was the person who was very excited about mm-hmm. all of the MacBook stuff, and uh, I was just like hoovering up all of the rumors and everything, let's just do a quick rundown of rumors that were talked about and sure. things that were confirmed. So. Touch bar has been tossed away. Function keys are back. Absolutely confirmed. confirmed and mm-hmm. that was something that was... People were running with even months before this actually came out. A return to MagSafe. This was another one of those things that came out months before this was, I think, originally reported in Bloomberg. Um, Then there's also um, that Apple leaker, um, Ming-Chi Ko. Um, Shirlin, am I pronouncing that correctly? Is there a better way to... Um, 
means guo, but I mean, he he probably has his Americanized pronunciation. Well, and, uh, you know, let's just have the better pronunciation in there. So yes, yeah, so it should be Guomingzhi probably, but <laughs> so so that man with his uh, name pronounced yes. correctly um, suggested that there were was going to be a return to MagSafe. That's been confirmed, very confirmed for a while. More ports, yes, yeah. that was something that was confirmed again a while ago, but. Then, like, as we're getting to all of these things at once, the touch bar and the MagSafe and more ports is the reason that I was a little bit afraid that people were going to hurt their own feelings by believing all of these leaks and uh, possibilities and saying, like, oh, wow, is is this MacBook actually going to be a MacBook that I want to buy? Because it's a return to a form factor that looks more like, what is it, um... The power, you know, definitely. Well, PowerBook yeah. and also like the 2012 model up to sure. Um, sure. the 2015 or so model, right before they moved to USB-C. Um, and then I think the only thing that was late breaking that was a little bit of a surprise, at least to anyone who wasn't following this bit by bit, is the 120 hertz refresh rate. But then again, when I've talked about it with you guys, the very professional tech journalists, you're like, oh, yeah, they just took the displays from the iPad Pro and they put it into the I, I think Pro. the, the okay. notch is more surprising than what they did with the screen resolution. And, and certainly because Microsoft did it, I was like, sir, I, I think on a certain degree, they all kind of knew that this was going to start happening with productivity laptops. So I'm excited. Hey, I want more. I want give me an XPS 13 with a high refresh rate. Give me give me the laptops I already love with all that stuff. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see like how people take on these new computers. The the idea of the 14 inch, this new 14 inch MacBook Pro is that it's basically a smaller 16 inch. It is not a replacement of the 13 inch just yet. Although I can imagine like that's going to happen eventually. Like you know, Apple got rid of the 15-inch MacBook Pro almost immediately when the 16-inch came out. So that could be where it goes. But right now, if you look at their pricing, the MacBook Air starts at $999. The 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro starts at $1299, I believe, still. And then you bump up to $1999 for this 14-inch. So I think for the amount of power that you're getting in these machines, uh, I think you spec'd out something that was like over nearly $3,000, Ben, for what you wanted. You're gonna well, pay yeah, a lot. Okay, and yeah. that's a that's a whole other thing because that's how it was, goes. Yeah, we were talking before the show about mm-hmm. like, okay, I spec'd out what I wanted. My dream laptop would be 16 inch, the mid grade in terms of mm-hmm. uh, chip. So it wouldn't be a um, M1 Pro Max, absolutely mm-hmm. no. Um, but it would have um, just the Pro. Yeah, yeah, just the Pro and uh 32 gigabytes of ram mm-hmm. and i was like eh, 32 gigs like too much and how long you, do you want this to last you yeah, yeah yeah you you came in with the very apt comment of like if you can only get it in once if you because you can't put yep. in more ram post facto the ram you is gotta built go for into, more yeah the ram is built into the system on a chip so it, it is right there alongside the processor and the gpu and everything so yeah you can upgrade there's no opening these things up for that uh get as much as you can afford uh one thing i did mention is that these computers do do something cool having all that ram also means all that memory is also addressable by the graphics uh by the gpu and 
that means you can yeah you, know, you can have a GPU in a laptop that's uh, basically eating up 64 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, you certainly cannot do that with the highest end NVIDIA RTX cards. You know, even the best uh, pro GPUs now are, I think, limited to 16 gigabytes of RAM. So all big things um, aim up people, especially for these computers. Uh, the the downside of system on chips um, and mobile hardware like this is that you can't expand them. You can't upgrade them. So you're going to have to spec up and spend a little more. But let us know what you think, folks. Podcastandgadget.com. Let us know if you're happy with these upgrades or if you wish Apple went in another direction. This week was hell week, obviously, for those of us who work in or cover tech, because after Apple's event on Monday, it was followed right up with Google's big Pixel event. Uh, This was the unveiling, the full unveiling of the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, the new Android flagships powered by Google's own Tensor uh, chip. So... For me, I mean, I've seen the phone before when they first teased Tensor in August. Um, so it's just kind of getting to know all the specs and all the features a little bit better. Um, I had hands-on with it. I actually have one device now that I'm testing. Oh, not one, two devices that I'm testing. Uh, so I, it's, it feels for me like it, it's not my introduction to this device. So I, I kind of want to ha- hear your take on it, Devendra. Did you, did you feel like it was impressive uh is the pixel pro, uh, pixel 6 and 6 pro something you're into it seems fine like it seems really nice you know if i want uh, yeah the, the thing that has really turned me off of android phones is that there's so many of them they all look really nice to be honest everybody has like nice edge-to-edge screens everybody has nice cameras yeah. but i've been waiting for android phones to like do something special and do something different and it does sound like the uh the tensor chip is kind of getting there, you know, as I uh, I wrote up some details on this chip, and it seems really cool. They've got two Qualcomm, uh, well, two ARM, ARM. X1 cores. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very similar to, like, what Qualcomm's been doing, but on a Qualcomm, you know, Snapdragon 888, um, that thing only has one X1 high-power core. The, the Tensor has two, and it has, like, two mid-range cores and two low-power cores, and there's just, like, a lot going on that seems interesting to me. Uh, I was reminded of the Moto X launch back in like 2013, <laughs> which was Google's like, man, Google Google's had so many shots, you know, of like I trying know. to make it mobile. Like they they own Motorola for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they I think it was after the original Nexus phones when they were like, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's make something a little mid range. Let's make something, you know, this is a little more affordable with like custom hardware that uh, can support ambient computing. And the Moto X was like this beautiful little dream of a phone and it died because not enough people bought them. Um, it does seem like they're kind of going back to that here, right? This is a phone you can live with. You can shout commands at, it'll translate things for you. It, it seems cool mm-hmm. if it actually works as advertised. Mm-hmm. I think, I think definitely RIP the Moto X and like, you know, Google's time with Moto. Um, the, the pixel for me represented kind of a re-energizing of pixel phones because in the past, the last few have been so blah they've kind of just been disappointing underwhelming um i'm excited for these i can't say what i think about them so far i can say that you know based on my hands on time it's it's definitely very impressive um i have a couple of gripes though like one is that these are big phones these are they're not chongsters they're like onksters at least or honksters and like (laughs) we need to create a diagram of these yeah yeah we need to create a diagram of the chonk scale that old uh, listeners and audience members of this podcast are familiar with by now. But anyway, 
These are big phones. There's no longer that smaller option for me, for someone like me who prefers a smaller phone, right? The Pixel 5 was a smaller phone. The Pixel 4 and 4XL, at least the 4 was smaller. What are, so, what are the sizes again of these guys? The 6 is a 6.4-inch screen. The 6 Pro is a 6.7-inch screen. Man. Now, the 6 Pro feels a lot. I know. The 6 Pro feels a lot like a Note 20, Note 20 Ultra. It's not as heavy, but the feel, the blockish shape, the kind of same screen size, um, it's it's definitely there. The problem with the 6.4-inch model, which is a Pixel 6, is that despite having like that 3-inch diagonal smaller footprint, the actual physical dimensions of this phone aren't that different it's like they're basically the same size so and that's bigger than an iphone option. uh like the the base level iphone 13, 13. and iphone 13 yeah. pro right like it's like 0.3 inches bigger so that ooh, i don't that just seems yeah. big to me not, it's it's for for those of us who want a smaller phone no it's sorry i'm sad to say it's no longer there but i guess it does make the decision between which of the two to buy a little easier because it's not <laughs> that much different in terms of size. So there's uh -huh. one thing you can cut out of your equation. Um, so that's one of my gripes with it. Another is, um, well, I mean, that's a gripe with it. Mm -hmm. I forgot what I was trying to say was my other gripe. Oh, I think the in-display in fingerprint sensor is one thing that's concerning uh -huh. because I think a lot of people who've been fans of Pixel, and I, uh, hmm, uh, I talked to my chiropractor who's a Pixel <laughs> fan. Okay. Imagine that people mm -hmm. out in the real world and my chiropractor was very upset that they removed the fingerprint sensor uh, from the Pixel 6. So I was like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, there's, there doesn't seem to be a reason to move it to the front other than they seem to be using that backspace for the tap to launch Snapchat thing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and it is, it is kind of a cleaner design. Like, it's, I think it was LG yes. that started putting the fingerprint sensor in the back with Android phones. And then everybody yes. started doing it because you wanted right. the all screen stuff. Um there is a certain, like, yeah, it's a little more ergonomic if you're just holding your phone and you use your index finger to, to tap sure. in, but it really does limit what they can do with the back of the phones too, right? It can't look as clean. They can't put in those tap features necessarily. Yeah. So, so look, I, I, I kind of get it, but I think that it's something that like people are going to be like a little bothered by, you mm -hmm. know, people who want some, like the perfect, like those are small little gripes to like point out, but <laughs> I will also say that the Pixel 6 starts at $599. Not like bad. Holy mother yeah. of dragons. Yeah. Um, for $600, there's like, excuse me, OnePlus, like step aside or Samsung Galaxy A what? You know what I mean? Like no more awesome squad for the Samsung A series phones. Um, this is this is squarely in that sort of mid-rangey price range, but pretty good. With pretty high-end features. T so talking about squarely, though, how do you feel about that camera hump? <laughs> because I just look at that and I'm like, the thing that kills a lot of my phones is like putting them into my jean pockets and like them getting like snagged on like the top end or something. Yeah, That yeah. thing just seems like it is made to do that, just to get snagged over and over again. Yeah. I um I don't usually put this phone in a pocket, A, because, you know, we've, I'm sure... You know, it's been in the this course long enough that women just don't have a lot of pockets. Or if we do, they're in skirts that are very roomy. So, I, you know, whatever. It's not snagging or anything. Uh, I don't mind it so much. I think it's a little... I think I've seen some comments um, pointing out that it's a little bit of a dated design yeah. at this point. Yeah. And kind of, I get it. But it's symmetrical. And it, it doesn't <laughs> wobble at all when you mm -hmm. put it on the table. Um, or or yeah. very little anyway. I couldn't. We're, be we're used that to camera humps at it. this point, so at least it's not exactly. like just a little square in the corner like an iPhone. So yeah, it's fine. I don't like any of these solutions to be honest. They they all yeah. look bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Camera humps look bad, but this is kind of what we all got to live with right now. So, you know, we'll put up with it. I, I am more excited for the prowess if the camera's like, I think they'll do good. Um, and then Google showed off some special features like magic eraser, like action mode, um, face unblur. There's a lot of interesting things going on here that Google's doing with Tensor. Um, and look, none of the features they've described are brand new. We Sony's done the action blur thing. Um, you know, Huawei's done the motion. I mean, the long exposure for traffic taillights thing. And face unblur might be might be novel. Might be yeah, that might be a smart, clever way of doing things that Google thought of mm-hmm. that I guess no one else thought of. Um, so there's interesting things here that's not just about quality of images, but also mm-hmm. about like being able to do more things. Yeah. They are they're talking a lot about the tensor processor being for AI, right? And there's a lot of like stuff yes. in there that this can do. Like the live translation oh, man. seems good if it can actually work. Like yeah. there, there's a oh lot of those gosh. things, yeah. a lot of like I'm sure AI work uh, on the image processing too, but also like in yeah. real time video capture as well. So like yeah. there there's a lot going on here. And I'm intrigued by that. It's a lot. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I can't say much right mm-hmm. now, but I am cautiously quite excited. I think, I think this, uh, you know, don't forget that the Tensor chip has a TPU in it, which is basically a miniaturized version of Tensor processors that they have in their data centers uh, to do all of this major and, and, and heavy uh, AI and machine learning processing. So it, it's, it, it, look, it remains to be seen or openly discussed, um, but it's very promising. Yeah. And they also, so, they're talking about like there are security chips and stuff like there are layers of security yeah. in this that seem pretty good too, especially since like, hey, our uh, our phones are really important. You know, it has all of our mm-hmm. confidential information, often has payment info, often has like, you know, people I know will save like important numbers somewhere on their phones, like their notes or something. So yep. you want to protect these things just as much as your PC, probably even more, I'd say. I, yeah, and I think it's uh, it's sort of Google acknowledging, not not acknowledging outrightly, but sort of knowing that like Apple is doing something good and right. smart with being so privacy and security mm-hmm. obsessed, right? And so it's it's trying to also give enough screen time to security, being like, oh yeah, five years of security updates. Look at our security hub. Look at our privacy dashboard. Not that, and and we know Google hasn't had the best track record on this. So they're making an effort. They really want you to think of Pixel Six and the Pixel line anyway as like the like they said the best expression of Android, the best place to experience Android, the best Android phone. So I guess watch out Samsung because they're coming. This poor little one percent market share little slice is coming for mm-hmm. your bigger slice. They want to creep into your space. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna convert any iPhone people. Mm-hmm. I think it's you're more like looking at the Samsung owners, the OnePlus mm-hmm. owners, who are like not super pleased with or what's going on. Normal, in, normal yeah, people, yeah. right? I, I think <laughs> we we tend to focus on the enthusiasts, right? And the people who are like, yeah, I, w- yeah. I want the latest and greatest and yada, yada, yada. But True. a lot of these features have been in phones before and I think bring it down to price point people want and also a name people will trust too. Like it does seem like Google wants to build its equivalent of the iPhone, right? And they've been trying that for a while and having custom hardware tied with their own specific software and just yes. being able to like lean on that does make for an overall yeah. cohesive experience. That's kind of why I stick with iPhone for my personal phone, uh, even though Android mm-hmm. is still like super intriguing. Like, Apple is just able to do more because they have such control. Yeah. Uh, have we heard anything about, um, could this Tensor chip end up being in other phones down the line? Could this be a thing that Google starts promoting? 
I, I have not heard of any official mm-hmm. like wording around that. I think I've seen like a stray interview here or there where they're like, yeah, yeah sure, yeah, yeah. other devices, potential, and that sort of stuff. I'm sure everyone's dreaming of the day where Google designs its own chip for like a Chromebook and, and oh, sure. brings over like makes its own arm powered Chromebook would be interesting. They're, to they're see, not far from that, right? Like they're doing the server chips yeah. and then they're doing this. Uh, I'm not even talking about like Chromebooks. I'm talking about like, you know, HTC or somebody being like, hey, that's a that's a nice chip you got there. That's, uh, that's certainly <laughs> different. Let's design around that. Uh, I just remember the HTC one being a very, very cool thing. So I want that back in style at some point. Uh, but this seems cool. This seems cool. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it'll be like, this is the start of an interesting future for Google. I think I would love, I think we'll know more when we can talk or, or you know, have done some more testing and can, you know, tell y'all what that real world performance is like. And is this the beginning of something really good for Google or just kind of like we're going to see things continue the way they have been? Um, I will say there's some really good uh, feedback and comments and observations basically from uh, people in our chat. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Jonathan Anderson... Jonathan Tran, my bad, said interpreter mode is pretty cool. Interpreter mode is basically something that's existed on on Google devices for a while now, um, where basically you turn on the Translate app, you go to interpreter mode, and you take turns speaking mm-hmm. um, in your respective languages, and it will translate out for you. They have Marie Kondo on the stream, y'all. Mm-hmm. The eminent Marie Kondo speaking in her native language, uh, and then... She also understands English, so she, when she was listening to the assistant version of translation, she seemed impressed by the accuracy of what she, mm-hmm. uh, what the the AI was able to do. So, it did look really cool. I just am waiting for the day where we get simultaneous live, you know, translating happening in your headphones <laughs> while you talk to someone. We're, that sort I, of I thing. I do think we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of well, like yeah, in your smart glasses in the future. Eventually, you'll get that all piped in. Uh, cool. Looking yeah, forward to seeing this. That's the this. future we're working towards. And when are when know, are we seeing I these know. phones exactly, Sherlyn? So they're on shelves October twenty eighth, and uh, you that's when you can buy. You can already pre order them now. Um, can oh, you? speaking can of pre orders. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Google! It's like they it's like they weren't expecting people to want to buy these things, y'all. Like. Apparently, Amazing. all all of uh, October nineteenth, the pre order pages were either they, it was just like trying to buy a GPU or a PS five. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like you it's put your thing in the cart and it just disappears. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was a stock issue or a server issue. It's, it or sounded like more like website. Yeah, I don't think it was like maybe it was crushing under the load, but it wasn't necessarily stock. It sounded like the tech of the shopping site just couldn't mm. take it. Which man, that is. That's not, I want to have faith in it's you. Like, I want this stuff to just work. It's as, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's as if you, uh, it's as if y'all don't run a giant tech company or something. Uh, yeah. um, something, anyhow, something, my like, theory that Google does a lot of this stuff badly and yet they keep proving it. You know, I want to get excited for their gear, but it's like when it comes to consumer level stuff, like running a functioning store and <laughs> selling, selling devices mm-hmm. properly, um, they seem to have trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day they'll figure this oh, out. Oh, yeah. I believe in Google. I hear you. Yeah. I yeah, I believe in Google's uh, ability to admit where they've been wrong and improve afterwards, but like very, and then make some mistakes somewhere else later on. So 
There you go. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, we will be reviewing the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro. You can, you know, check out the Engadget website, stay tuned, log in, I mean, subscribe um, <laughs> for, for more. And then send us your questions about the Pixel 6 so that I know what to look out for when I'm testing these things. Uh, send them to podcast at Engadget.com. On top of all the events that happened this week, there was also the Surface Duo 2 to review. Uh, and this morning, as of this recording on Thursday, Surface Duo 2 review embargo lifted. It all went up. You can check out my full review on Engadget.com. But we wanted to take a little bit of time to go into more detail here because there's just so much to talk about that I can't get into within the confines of a review. So joining us today also to talk about this is fellow Duo 2 reviewer and dual screen and just overall odd phone enthusiast, mobile in enthusiast. my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> mobile enthusiast too. Michael Fisher, aka the Mr. Mobile. Hey Michael. Odd phone enthusiast. I will take it. I've been called worse, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Shirlin. Uh, <laughs> nice to be back. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Good to chat. Yeah. <laughs> nice to be here. Um, <clears throat> We had a certain like okay. So first of all, let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Right? When Michael, Michael, when Microsoft was shipping out these devices, I think some people got it a little later than others. And Michael, yeah, you true. were one of the few people. So you, a little behind the scenes here, had less time than everyone to to really crunch on this review and get it up in time. Uh, you know, to be in time with everyone else. Yeah. I haven't. This lifted just a while ago, so I haven't been on the lookout for all the reviews. Did you put your video up yet? Can people go watch no, it yet? No, no. Um, <laughs> okay. We, 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 Understandable. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, the thing has the thing was a day or two late uh, mm -hmm. getting to me. Yeah. But also, you know, it's such a – it's not like a – I don't know. What do you want to call it? It's not like a Pixel 4. It's not like yeah. a Galaxy S it's whatever. It's not – yeah, you can't necessarily just kind of – churn on this on a device like this and and crank out a review that's kind of 80% what you said last year even though uh, right. as mm -hmm. as as I did read in your review there are some things that from last <laughs> year that uh we wish had not recurred on this thing so no my review is not up yet but it'll be up uh, tomorrow cool but you already have thoughts uh on this i know you're one of my like gut check people on a device like this and the Same. z fold 3 and and Ditto. yeah oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh we try to we try to help each other out with these reviews and share thoughts and stuff like that yep. and you know i remember like i i didn't know you hadn't gotten the phone yet, but i remember like going to you immediately and being like this software still sucks like is it just me Can, right. is it just me right and then when you did get your phone did you? Th what did you think? First of all, like when you got the Duo Two, I want to say how weird it is that we have to do that because I think we all look. We, we do it somewhat for professional reasons, right? Because right. it's like sometimes you yes. really do get a lemon, and and then you have to you have to check that out. Right. But I also feel like I'm often defending myself uh, to myself against the hordes of people on on, yes, on Reddit who spent fifteen hundred dollars on the last one and really really want the new one to be great or really still want the first one to be great <laughs> and um just defend it to their dying breath even though it like you know just literally killed their sister yeah. you know whatever mm -hmm. I, you know, they can justify <laughs> no, anything. Oh, no. um so yeah i when you sent me that message and i hadn't gotten the device yet i was like mm, uh-oh and then i unboxed it <clears throat> and took a look at it and had a had a had a had a day or two with it and while there were so many improvements, a lot of which you yes. know we should touch on, yes. there were still these yes. fundamental little things where I was like, wait, oh, hold on a second. Can I still not type quickly on this device? And then the mm -hmm. other review, I started checking with other reviewers mm -hmm. as well. And I was like, am I the only one? And eventually it got to a place where it's like, well, five of eight people were yeah. like, yeah, no, this is also not as fast in various ways. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, oh, well, then this is going to be a hard week. 
Yeah, they had a whole year to like well, fix these issues, right? This yeah. is what I'm saying. Oh my yeah. gosh. This is what I'm like. I I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I try not to be bitter or snarky uh, outside of Twitter, right? But mm-hmm. like my initial instinctive response after coming across some of these errors was, what What was happening all year? Yeah. What's what going was, on? Yeah. Can we what, yeah. real quick? By the way, can we just say what yes. What is new in the Duo Two? What can people yes. expect that wasn't there last year? I'll, I'll take this. Uh, the hardware is slightly different. You've got the narrower screens, um, but a larger canvas. And then you've got 90 hertz refresh rate. It's faster than before. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, the new glance bar. You've got the insides, the insides of the screens kind of curved towards the edge. So you can see something, a little bit of the screen through the hinge. We'll get into whether or not this was that useful. Um, or the, and then one of the biggest and most obvious changes is the camera. I think in the past, there was just one one single 11 megapixel camera that like serve as both both your selfie and regular facing outwards camera. This time around, there's a triple 12 megapixel system um, and it's a bump on the back. So it introduces the situation where you can't really close the phone all the way um, outwards anymore. And it's, I, God, I, I, I really wanted this to be such an improvement, but yeah, I don't know if you, we were rooting for point. you, yeah, I Microsoft. Saved, yeah. And we were rooting for you. Right. I saved the camera testing to the last. And that's when mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, my thoughts of this just fell through the like drain. Like it just, <laughs> no, it yeah. crashed. I, I wish I had known Fish the cameras were, uh, were going to underperform so severely before I mm. planned the, mm-hmm. the video shoot because it's always nice when you're doing a YouTube video to, to take the device somewhere. And David Kogan's been a big mm-hmm. influence on, uh, on me with that in that respect. And so I was yes. like, well, I'm still so jealous you guys go on those road trips without me. It's a lot of fun. Well, <laughs> you can come anytime. This one was yes. in Brooklyn. You could have come over because Brooklyn just oh, opened it. its first public library branch in, yep. since the year I was born. Oh. And I was like, well, it, there's no device that looks like a book more than this does. So where where is that branch, by the way? It's in Dumbo. It's uh, near Brooklyn Bridge Park. Oh, I nice. guess that makes sense. Yeah, it it does. Um, yeah. I could have gone, but you could have. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but you wouldn't have wanted to. Um, <clears throat> I was wearing shades when I came on because I'm still recovering from it. The duo really drove me to drink. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know, the camera is we, we shouldn't have expected it to be. Look, it's on a big module on the back of the phone. It takes up enough yes. space. It makes a statement like, hey, I'm a serious camera phone. But, you know, I, Microsoft lost, mm. I, th- I think, a lot of its optical in-house talent when um, when the Lumia stuff stopped. And a lot of those people went to Huawei mm. and other places. Mm. And I think they're working with at least one outside firm on this as well as internally. But it's just it feels like a camera from 2015. You know, I mean, yep. the auto exposure is all over the place. It, as, oh as you were saying gosh, in your review, so it's not, yeah, it's not reliable. Yes. You can't speed, you can't really take burst shots very well. The colors, yeah. the contrast, the, everything that could go wrong with the camera is basically, it's for mm-hmm. $1,500, <laughs> $1, $1,500, $1, you, you can't use this camera. Do you guys think like, mm-hmm. it does seem like Microsoft focused so hard on doing the dual screen stuff, getting the hardware right, getting the hinge right, and then... They keep feeling on the software side, but even if they if they fixed all the other problems, if the camera was still crappy, would it still be a bad phone? Like to uh, you guys, mm-hmm. I will I will jump right in and say no. I would I would be Do the it. first to say just dismiss the camera. If everything else sure. worked right, sure. if the dual screen concept was properly executed, I'd say forget the camera. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's a great dual yeah, screen yeah. device. It, it it achieves the aims that Microsoft set out to to achieve, but it doesn't. It's still so 
it still mm. has too many bugs. Mm -hmm. And it, it did solve a lot of them, but <clears throat> it also preserves a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> sadly. Th this almost yes. seems like Microsoft's approach to product design sometimes. Like I think of like the first Xbox, the very first Surface, like, oh my God, I reviewed that Surface. It was the, I think it was the Surface RT was the first one. In, like in my opening paragraph was like, I want to throw this thing out the window. Like it is just bad. <laughs> yep, it me too. Oh awful. my God. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I feel, I. <sighs> go, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Fisher. Um, no, I, I just, I know that the camera isn't that important. And, and to be clear, like now you can't, you have to hold this thing up like a tablet mm -hmm. if you want to shoot outside. Like if you want to yeah. take something that's other than a selfie. And then if you try to like open it, up more than 180 degrees uh you can't use the external cameras just so you know fyi because uh it's disabled the uh, the uh microsoft doesn't allow you to hmm. you literally can't switch cameras um so you can only use a selfie camera so there's that i mean like who wants to hold up a tablet yeah. to take photos and look like a jerk you know and then <laughs> There's a these little limitations that Microsoft built in. And then there's the fact that the app just doesn't freaking work very mm -hmm. well. It's so inconsistent, unreliable. So anyway, I, I am going ham on the camera, I know. And if we could excuse the camera altogether mm -hmm. and just get a dual screen device that didn't have mm -hmm. or need a camera, I think, would the, du would the Duo 2 still be okay? Uh, no. As like no. a note-taking device, like, I don't know. Like when we, we, we reviewed the iPad mini pretty well. And to me, the iPad mini kind of fits into the space of like being a cute little portable note-taking thing. Right. Um, and you kind of want yeah. this, you wanted the iPad mini to fold. I think so a lot yeah. of people were looking I at was, the picture of the iPad mini and thinking, yeah, right? Yeah, it looks like a fold. I mean, well, that's the thing. I think that's the mm -hmm. direct, the direct yes. competitor to this yes. is the, is the fold three, right? Because. Yes, yeah, same. Yeah. And, and my frustration with it, I almost take some of this. Not personally, but it's just so aggravating <laughs> because it's like people who don't want to buy the Fold, people who want to buy the Duo instead of a Fold want dual screens. They want the seam between them because they want two workspaces. Yes. They want to be able to multitask in that way. And you can do that on the Fold, but you do it artificially through software and it, it's a little clumsier. Mm. So if the, mm -hmm. when the Duo 2 is working well, when you're tapping a link on one screen and it pops over into the other one and lets you keep yeah, doing what beautiful. you were doing, it, it's beautiful. But it only does that yeah. one in every five times. And you, you'd never yep. know what to expect. Sometimes <laughs> you tap a, lip, a link yep. over there. Like yesterday, I'm walking around. I'm like, this will be perfect. I got the shot set up. And we're going from the library to a bar. I'm going to click a link in the Google Doc on the left, and it's going to pop open Google Maps on the right. I will still have my list on the left, Maps on the right. Nope. Maps pops up, replaces Google Docs on the left-hand yep. side. And then I try and move it over to see, but Docs isn't there anymore because it's just Android multitasking in a tile. Yep. Oh, okay. So, okay. So reopen on this side. Oh, okay. All right. I've got that now. That is every interaction. That is four or five interactions with the duo. Oh, this will be easy. No, no, this, that was way harder. I just lost a lot of time. Do, do you well, guys think it's impossible yes. for Microsoft to kind of wrangle Android into this thing? Like, I, maybe Samsung is just doing a better job of it because they've been so focused on Android software for so long, whereas Microsoft kind of came off Windows Mobile, you know, and Windows Phone. And it was just like, okay, I, I, I guess we're doing Android now. Sure, whatever. I, they were never I, really fully in Android, I think. I think it's a conceptual difference in, mm -hmm. in how and how each manufacturer is approaching the issue because Samsung is content to just make a bigger yeah. canvas. Yeah. Here, here's your yes. app, run it full screen. Yes, it's a exactly. weird aspect ratio, but here you go. Microsoft is trying to do something harder. They are yep. trying to, to yes. yeah, that's, like squeeze Android <laughs> into a weird box. That's the story of their lives, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. you're just you're making this so hard for yourself. The surface book. Why why <laughs> a screen you detach from a dock and you have to hit a button? They over engineer <laughs> so many things. Um 
man it's, it's, it's a shame. yeah it's totally them trying to do too much mm-hmm. because they didn't have to do the taskbar on android right. homepage that it screws up a bunch of things there was another issue i was seeing with like in landscape mode with uh you know with one screen open or half open um your the android navigation isn't the where you'd expect it to be um because of the taskbar in its place in mm-hmm. its way and i asked microsoft like what's going on they were like oh this is by design yeah i was like Who's designing what? these things? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 then, tough, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'll finish this thought, which is that Fisher, you bring up a really good point, which is Samsung not only is content to kind of just let Android be and like what the Vendor said has been working with Samsung for so long now, um, they've also just somehow just managed to make their UI uh work, right? They've got Yes, uh, there's a uh, there's like aspect ratio issues, but they have that like span thing to take up. That's I mean not, that's not their name, but you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. the the expansion of apps to take up the whole screen. Samsung's sort of worked it out. Um, then there's like launching apps in multiple windows. They've always sort of had floating floating panel support, so you, yeah. you just need to expand that a little bit. Right. Um, and the new edge bar is actually really nice on the Fold three, but. I actually like, uh, and I told you this during our like little chats before embargo, which yeah. is that I miss flex mode. Um, oh, on, on the, the duo. This is something I didn't get to write in my review. Yeah, on the duo two, there were situations where I wish that it was like uh, Samsung's flex mode, where you have once the hinge is sort of bent, um, one side of the screen is an app, the other side where your hand is closer to um, can be like navigational UI. It can be just a joystick or a touchpad for the other screen that you can't reach with one hand. That would just make one-handed use a little easier. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft is a Samsung. It's just they're thinking uh, about this differently. They they are. They anyway, are. Fisher, you're saying yeah. yeah, so substantially differently. You're right. I, you know, it's I don't want to I don't want to miss all the things that that are better. And I do feel every time I pick yes. up this hardware, I do. I want to build it into my workflow. I want this to be yes. a device I can carry in concert with all my other odd phones that I really enjoy. Because I, you want to believe, the, yeah, I do. And but <laughs> also when you use, like, when you catch the glimpses of greatness, it's like the multitasking, as I talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Oh wow! Oh, that is handy. That it's the best fifteen hundred dollar Kindle you will ever find. I love reading <laughs> on this thing. Xbox Game yes. Pass with the controls down there. Like sure. it's like there are so mm-hmm. many good ideas. If and and. You know, the first time around when you screw it, you, you, it's a first generation product. It's like the Surface RT. You know, we can forgive it. Yep. The next one will be better. Yeah. Is this one better? Yes. It's not better enough. And it really, really should be. And that's so yeah. frustrating. I honestly. feel kind of, uh, yeah. I also, when when they first announced the Duo, I did write a thing piece saying like, eh, this is probably a better approach to dual screens. But if Microsoft keeps screwing this up and Samsung just keeps like getting better and better and better with getting the fold. Better. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna mm-hmm. Microsoft is kind of kind of like lose the runway that it has to actually make this concept work. And eventually the folding phones will will be better. Like then you wouldn't need this. Yeah. I My... I would argue they're they're already there. Sorry. Shana. Okay. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Um Finish your thought. That was it. No, I mean, my argument would be oh. that, like, I mean, the Fold 3 is here. It it solidified yes. it finally. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. My buddy yes. Daniel Rubino was saying, he was just like, yeah, you know, we were trading ideas back and forth, too, from Windows Central. And he was just like, yeah, the uh, this is a second generation product. It's not a third gen. It's not a, it's not a Flip 3, which, is, which has arrived mm-hmm. in the kind of compact mm-hmm. foldable space. It's not a Fold 3. Maybe next year, I hope. Yeah. Although we, we can g- rewind well, to the Fold 1, right? That was basically a beta product <laughs> and a disaster. Yes. Yeah, so yes. things can reorient My, really quickly. Go ahead. So the thing I was trying to say before that, which it, it, you know, it was around you guys talking about the testing that Microsoft has done, this being a second generation product. I think that Microsoft, in my dealings with 
the company so far on this product, it just feels like they're giving themselves too much like leeway. They're 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 forgiving this device for a lot of its quirks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this that's like a by design, or oh, that's not how you're supposed to use it. That that's sort of they haven't said these exact words to me, of course, but like that's the sense I get, right? Like I, when I'm testing the camera out, I'm like, how did a Microsoft person have this experience and not think this was not okay? Yeah. It feels like how? there's nothing at stake. It feels yeah. like the, yeah. they're they're fine in in this part of the service division to just ex- if products fail, that's fine. It almost feels like you're testing some experimental thing that got out, and they're just mm-hmm. like, you know what, whatever, yeah. whatever. Like maybe, or they're like, mm-hmm. or they're like, it's okay that this makes this one thing. This doesn't do this this way. It's okay. They're like they're kind of excusing a lot of things, and I don't get why. I don't understand why it's like fifteen hundred dollars. It's okay that the app doesn't allow you to use the camera beyond a certain point. Like no, this is. It just it doesn't make sense. A lot of it. I'm just like <laughs> you're not you're at engineer level and you're not at basic consumer level and yeah. in your thinking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Devendra. Does this? I mean, does this make you guys less enthused about the Surface Neo, which is the you know the bigger dual screen device that could potentially run Windows? I do think like if they're not trying to be a phone because PCs and you know little laptops. We don't care as much about the cameras, right? Those things, what what you use a phone for versus what you right. use a notebook for, is very different. With the Neo kind of be a better approach especially since that's running windows and they can actually like run you know software on it i think they said development has stopped on that so that's probably never going to come but yeah yeah my my one sentence take before i would throw it all to fisher is that it depends on the keyboard Sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I am coming fresh off reviewing the Surface Laptop Studio, which is, I, I, mm. I kept calling a delightful weirdo. I have much more faith <laughs> in Microsoft when it comes to engineering Windows-based products because, um, mm-hmm. as, as we've said a couple times now, it's, it's a totally different animal when you're trying to wrangle Android and make Android do something that it can do technically but obviously is, is hard to, to execute on. So, yeah, no, I think if the Neo, if the Neo were still a thing, or if we get another, say, Lenovo foldable uh, Windows yeah. PC, which, again, a concept I loved. Listen, um, we saw the, the Asus. Fold, yes. what, what did they call that Asus? Like, we saw concepts of that at Computex. Oh, yeah. Oh, the dual screen one? Yeah, oh, yeah we yeah, have yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I think those would be, Microsoft would do a much, much better job on that stuff because mm. Windows 11 is already more adroit <laughs> at handling yeah. different you know form factors like this. I yeah. just, it, it it's, is it's such a strange space. It's funny that you bring up the Surface Laptop Studio though, because like, yeah, I just talked about that. And that's another device that makes me think like, does Microsoft just like design these things in a vacuum? Because you're producing a very, very expensive <laughs> quad core laptop in in the age of like eight core CPUs and notebooks, uh, Apple is squeezing ten core mobile chips, but still ten cores mm-hmm. um, into really really thin machines. Um, I look at the Surface Laptop Studio. I'm like, great hardware design. Why did you just stop at that chip when everybody is demanding more hardware right now? Like, look around. Just look around at what everybody else is doing. It seems like they refuse to do that. Yeah. I would absolutely love to be a, a fly on the wall at, at some of these meetings because I know there are, not, you know, not not to say like, oh, because mm-hmm. they're, they're so stupid, whatever. I, I yep. want to know what the actual justifications are because I know there are legit business reasons that are very secret and I will mm-hmm. never know. Um, but I want to know them. I'm I'm very curious as to what what decisions go into products like these for better and worse. The Surface, totally. Like, it, you can't find a, a a more interesting sub brand of a major company 
uh, almost than than the surface. Like it, that that group is kicking out some of the most interesting tech I've I've seen. Again, Absolutely. for better or worse. <laughs> yes, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. But like I I cover it from the journalism side of things. Like oh, this is really exciting. It's really different. Then I talk to like people who actually bought like the first few generations of the Surface Book, and they're like, this is a nightmare. It's just <laughs> always breaking. It doesn't work yeah. properly. So it's like there is that disconnect between what they're attempting to do, and I think what. You know, we, we see so many gadgets. Like, I think things that are unique and different tend to, like, inspire that in us. Uh, I, I think back to, like, how my movie reviewer friends uh, really latched on to crazy movies like Venom or Cats. Because hey. these are just, like, really bonkers movies that just shouldn't exist in the form they're in. I don't think they're actually very good, but... They were so it like chipped through that veneer of like oh my god everything I see just looks the same. Um, right. You couldn't yeah. sit there on autopilot anymore. Right, you just, right. You were just like oh wow something different. Something different. It's weird. I don't know if it's great. Um, the the quad core limit in the Surface Laptop Studio reminds me of that like apocryphal quote from Bill Gates about was it six six hundred forty kilobytes of RAM should be enough for everybody? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And. That's the, kind uh, of the feeling I got talking to the Surface people. They're like, in our testing, users find a quad-core chip and a discrete GPU is enough for their purposes. I'm like, sure, in yeah. your testing, in your research, but uh, they will not say no to more, you know? Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add on the Duo 2? Um, any further thoughts? Like, would you be excited for next year's model still after this? I will say this. I think, uh, um, Fisher, you you alluded to it or, or outrightly said it at the start, and I just want to reemphasize it, is that like in our heads when we as reviewers are testing these things, I at least I have an internal voice that's like, the haters are going to come for you if you don't exactly point out exactly that like this mm-hmm. little thing is so much better. So the, I, I will say the one thing we didn't bring up so far yet is the glance bar. Um, I'm nice. sorry, it's kind of completely useless. <laughs> Never really... <laughs> Never really, you know, like, there's a tiny little clock that's in pixel size, like, three, three pixel, t- like, three pixels tall yeah. or something, what, maybe. what if you miss the and single then, line screen from your beepers, you know? What if you miss that? Uh, that's what yeah, it seems man, like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So if you want a pager, but, like, big and unwieldy and you can't really see it. <laughs> if the Galaxy sure. Z Flip but, first generation had just too big of an external yes. display for you, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's that. But anyway, um, no, I, I, th- that's, like, my internal monologue in my head is that, like, all these haters are going to come for me i'm gonna go home well i'm home but i'm gonna <laughs> after this just like you know hide in my tub and be like just yeah. in my blankets just like oh my god they're coming yeah. for me and i'm not gonna but i, I will say said, this yeah two people on the internet what are you what are you doing <laughs> what do you you should want better things we are fighting you for should. better things for yeah. you stop excusing yeah. bad performance yep. yeah um so that's my main thing um after this because like yeah, I, I, I know I kind of criticized the Duo too hard in my review. And I'm just like, look, y'all haven't had to live with this as your main phone and haven't had to pay 1500 Not that I had to, but like if you had to if pay you had to, yeah. for it, yeah. think about it. Mm-hmm. Fisher. The bummer, the real bummer is that this device launches in the busiest month for us, as, as, as yeah. we all know. Um, and yeah. as a result, you're able to test it alongside other devices, some of which you're allowed to talk yes. about, some of which you're not. And it's like... Every other device that I'm currently testing, when I have to swap over to it for some reason, it is yes. faster. It is easier. Yes. It actually makes me productive. And the entire purpose for the Duo 2 is to make you more productive, to, to make you able to stay in your flow and all that other stuff. So <laughs> what, what, a, what a shame, you know, like that, that. I think that's the biggest um, 
probably failure uh, on, on Microsoft's point from a reviewing standpoint right now is like, mm-hmm. if you know that you're shipping a device that's in this state, don't ship it alongside devices like, uh, spoiler alert, the Pixel 6. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. um, don't do that. Also, though, uh, I will make the point that like, <clears throat> With a device like this, I feel like you do need to test it over a, a, a long time. Now, my review will still yeah, go up after after a week, like totally. everyone's and whatever. But I'm still going to carry the thing like I carried the first one yes. um, on, you know, alternating weekends when I'm not carrying the other foldables and stuff. Because it just, it does. It evolves over time. Some updates fix things. Some updates break yeah. new things. And then, you know, it's, it is not a static device. And um, I look forward to hopefully some of it improving. But... You got to make a device you can type fast on, guys. I don't know. Oh, don't my know God. I, I will close on this this <laughs> note, which is that I've had the Surface Duo open in front of me to keep an eye on the live chat uh, throughout this whole segment. And it's uh, the YouTube app has like crashed on me three times mm. during this time. Mm. Oh, and uh, because I have uh, Telegram right below it, it's uh, it, it will go to um, picture in picture mode because I have um, the YouTube Premium. Uh, so now when 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 uh, YouTube crashes, it just goes to Telegram. And then for some reason, it pulled up the keyboard, which takes up maybe like two thirds of the screen. So, um, yeah, you know, and this is this is just my main takeaway with the Duo 2, which is it is just completely unexpected, unreliable, inconsistent, and it will guess light the shit out of reviewers. Maybe <laughs> so maybe go. next year they'll just put Windows 11 in a phone. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Thanks for joining me to kind of offer your feedback as well on the Duo 2 situation. I'm glad it's not just me feeling this it way. Thanks for your you. precious time, Fisher. Thank you uh, for having me. Where can people me. find you on the internet? Uh, at, on Twitter at Captain Two Phones, but of course on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, and Instagram at the Mr. Mobile, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E. And my review will be up soon. And really, thank you for another opportunity to talk uh, at length <laughs> about this delightful weirdo, sometimes delightful weirdo. One request for you, Fisher. Yeah. Hey, can you tell us uh, your tagline? <laughs> Sit, do the thing do the thing oh do the thing. i'm honored uh yes of course uh thank you once again for having me and um stay mobile my friends <laughs> yay i'm never on video when i say that it's so awkward thank you for yay! asking <laughs> let's move on to some other news real quick uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming from Facebook, uh, including a report from The Verge that Facebook is reportedly considering changing its name. Uh, we may learn net more next week at the Oculus Connect mm-hmm. conference. Um, you know, just th- throw your throw your ideas out there. You know, my face, the void, Horizon. Oh, no. I don't know. Horizon could be a good one because that's actually the branding for a lot of their VR stuff. In upload. The idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. The idea <laughs> is that um, they may lean more on being a metaverse company with the new name, but also. I think the name. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. It's very ahead. clear that they're. this is a good time to run away from all the bad buzz they're getting. Uh, but it could be a Google Alphabet situation where Facebook will still exist, but there's a new parent company. But what do you think, Sherlyn? Uh, I just think that the name will be called Meta Meta. Meta Meta. It'll be very meta. Metaverse. Meta Meta. Um, th- th- no, there's so meta, much. Meta. I, I'm sure it'll be hilarious. I'm sure it'll be kind of terrible. And uh, we'll hear more from Oculus Connect next week. Uh, we reviewed the Facebook Portal Go. Um, I believe Nicole re- reviewed that for us. Yes. And she says it blurs the line between tablet and smart display. I was not a huge fan of, of the last portals, but yeah. this one's smaller. So, yeah. Okay. Sure. And portable. That's basically it. That's the main mm-hmm. take from this review is that this is a 
is more portal. That's it. And yeah. so if you really liked Facebook's portal displays, which we always want to caution you that Facebook just doesn't have a good track record and they have I, all your information yeah. already. People like if you those really things, want something, but yeah, yeah. They like it because it's so easy with Messenger and WhatsApp. Yeah. That's, it, that's it, right? It's the only thing really out there that supports those two mm-hmm. apps. So, okay, fine. And then it has that good like pan and zoom feature that follows you around. Yep. Sure. So this time... It's just you can bring it throughout your house wherever. So so sure, uh-huh. if you want to support Facebook with your monies by buying hardware from them, go for it. Maybe maybe um, hold off on that, folks. Just just take a step. There, exactly. There's so many other solutions exactly. out there. There's speaking exactly. speaking of Facebook, we also got the news that Instagram is going to let you create posts from mm-hmm. your desktop. Mm-hmm. Finally, 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 like everybody who's finally. been like faking their DSLR oh. photos, it's like phone photos and <laughs> uploading them. We know what you're doing. Uh, now now you yes. could just like actually. Throw, throw your higher quality photos up there. So yeah, that's cool, I yes. guess. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So Samsung had an event this week as well. Let's not forget, there's been a lot going on this week. I mean, we, we talked about this uh, already, but Samsung's event this week was Unpacked Part 2, where it unveiled vi- different versions of existing devices and a bespoke program for the Galaxy Z Flip 3, where you can basically customize it when we were just talking about the Moto X earlier yeah. today, Devendra, but basically this is similar to the bespoke fridge uh, <laughs> that Samsung makes already. Did they really need and, an event uh, some other- for all this? Like just looking at these announcements, it um, does seem like no. they're like, um, Samsung was looking at all the attention Apple and Google and everybody are getting, you know, it's just like, hey, look at me. Look mm-hmm. at me for 20 minutes. Give me news. Yeah, I just feel like they they bought a live stream set yeah. and they were like, let's make the most yeah. use of it. Let's get a big ROI. So anyway, I don't know if anybody watched that event. I sure didn't. It was very liberating to not have to watch mm-hmm. a, a Samsung event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want the news, though, we got you covered. Check it out at your own time. when You don't have to stick to Samsung's schedule for an event. Just read our article whenever you have time on Engadget.com. Hey, this was a busy week. It wasn't just Google, Apple, and Samsung. Sony had an event. Razer had an event. DJI had an event. They announced new microphones by Razer. DJI had a new drone camera, I believe. So again, we covered all of that for you to digest at your own speed, at your own pace. <laughs> it's all on Engadget.com. All there. Hey, we, Dev, we've got what else happened? We've got a bunch of fun news. So let's end up. Uh, let's end yeah. off on all this stuff, uh, including the first trailer for the Uncharted movie, which uh-huh. finally exists. Finally exists. I feel like it's been 10 okay. years of rumors and people being attached to it and different actors being attached to it. Like, I believe at one point, <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg was going to be Nathan Drake, the lead of the series. Flash, you know, flash forward 10 years, he is now the older mentor guy, like, live long enough to be the mentor character Ooh. when you were supposed to be the lead. Um, what's his face? Tom Holland, Spider Man. Tom Holland is, is, yeah. is Nathan Drake. I don't I don't know if I have any faith in this movie. It's directed by Ruben Fleischer, who did Zombieland. I really like Zombieland. I did have not liked a much of what Ruben Fleischer has done since then, including um uh Venom, which we talked about. So hey. I kinda liked Venom. It's fine. It's it's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't I don't it's it's kind of like lazy filmmaking from him. Um uh, but hey, okay. this trailer looks fine. It looks like an Indiana Jones yeah. movie, it looks like an Uncharted movie. Um, I'm sure we're gonna get the trademark. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 I'm gonna fall. <laughs> I'm I'm falling over here thing. Um it already looks like there is that at the end of the trailer. So nice. Okay, it exists. It's gonna be coming out supposedly on February 18th. Uh, but movies are Ooh. getting delayed all over, so that may not happen. One other surprising thing that happened this week is that um, 
Mel Brooks, the hmm. the legend, the com- comedic <laughs> legend, is producing okay. History of the World Part Two for Hulu. Hmm. Mel Brooks is 95 years old, but he's going to apparently um, yes. write and produce this thing. Uh, the original film was from the 80s and was basically, it was called um, A History of the World Part 1 as a joke because they were never going to like make another one. You are. Yeah, that was a 1981 movie. I I grew up watching a lot of these things. It's not like yeah. among my favorites for him. It'd probably be more Blazing Saddles for me. Um, but it is amazing to me that this is getting made um, and that he can do it. And it's going to be on Hulu. So this is a Hulu exclusive, yeah. uh, kind of a cool thing. And um, something else happened, Trillin, that I think you're really excited about. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I couldn't help. Uh, one night I, ch- I was just on our Engadget website and I realized we published a story about... A Fisher Price phone. <laughs> um, this thing looks cute as heck. You, if I don't know if you guys remember, Fisher Price had a toy phone called the Chatter. It still exists. Like it's they're this, all around. It still yeah. exists. Yeah, and it's a rotary dial phone that kids can play with with a cute little face on it. It has wheels for some reason, even though it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't think kids roll everything. But uh, yeah. yeah, Fisher Price made a working version of this. So you can use the rotary dial to actually call people mm-hmm. if you remember phone numbers anymore. So, you know, two one two three four five six seven eight nine on that thing and go ham Thank on Thank you it. for so an example of a town. phone number. Yeah. A very just. real phone number, I know. This is the number I give to press events when they ask me for my phone number. Mm-hmm. So just FYI. I feel bad for whoever actually has that phone number. Um because it might be real. It might be real. <laughs> they're getting they're getting all this stuff about embargoed information I'm that they so have to sorry. sign. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was a fun piece of news this week that uh, really, really lit up my evening while I was crunching on embargoes. So that's it for the news roll call. Um, Devendra, what what can we expect from you for next week? Oh, yeah, I'm working on a bunch of reviews. Listen, new hardware is coming, folks. So you can imagine like what Mm. we're reviewing. I'm also writing up something on uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune adaptation which we mm-hmm. talked i talked about it last week it's going to be out tomorrow it's gonna be out on friday on hbo max and in theaters um so i've got, I've got a piece about it about why it may be worth seeing in theaters if you can um but that's me yeah. just a lot of writing this weekend as usual yeah i meanwhile i'm just finishing up reviewing the pixel sixes um I, you know, they will be in time for whenever you need to buy them on shelves. Uh, those of you waiting on pre-orders and for the page to work, hey, hey, at least the silver lining of the pre-order page not working is that you get to wait for the reviews to go up. So <laughs> Time to think twice. Call. Yeah, you might, you might want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's that's mostly what I'm working on. There's some other stuff in the background that, you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about next time. But yeah, how about uh, how about what we're relaxing to? Devendra, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I've been marathoning the Halloween movies because uh, I had to review Ooh. Halloween Kills for my movie podcast, the Filmcast, mm. and uh, have to say, uh, I missed out on the 2018 uh, Halloween reboot directed by David Gordon Green. Not really a fan mm-hmm. of like where they've been taking the okay. series, but the original film, the 1978 film by John Carpenter is still a stone cold classic. It's practically mm-hmm. a perfect horror movie. Um, so it was really nice to be able to rewatch that on my projector here at home. Uh, love that movie. It, it's always worth rewatching. We're getting into spooky season. So I would always recommend just like go- going back. If you feel overwhelmed by like crazy horror movies right now um, that are really just high on gore and kills and everything. Halloween is such a like 
slow burn classic just creepy movie mm. and there's some kills but it's like four kills in that movie you know it's more about mm. a malevolent just an unstoppable force of evil you know invading suburbia so if you've never seen halloween uh, i don't believe it's streaming anywhere right now i think i had to rent it on itunes but it's worth buying or renting it's a, it's a perfect movie uh i did not really like halloween kills very much uh just because it kind of it goes overboard it's kind of a mess um but you know it's a it's a thing. It's apparently been doing really well in theaters and it's done. Uh, it's funny because it's made a lot of money in theaters, even though it's streaming on Peacock as a premium, you know, for, uh, on the premium side of Peacock. And people would rather like risk their lives and go to theaters and subscribe to Peacock, <laughs> apparently. That's the takeaway I'm getting from this. Uh, but yeah, check out the original Halloween and uh, you know, let me know your thoughts about these remakes uh, or reboots, basically. Sherlyn, what's up on your end? Every week nowadays, when I have to think of what I'm suggesting for entertainment, I realize that my life is a sad little hole of non-new shows. I just binge watch old shows. But I realize that I actually have been addicted to a game. You Please, oh, please oh, do not judge me oh, for boy. this. What are we in for now? <laughs> I uh, downloaded a game just to test new phones with. Uh-huh. Um, and I just got hooked. It's called Airplane Chefs. And... Uh, <laughs> Basically, if you want to be a flight attendant and serve these very impatient guests their food, they're like heated up in the airplane uh-huh. microwave food. Now I know what like you're really missing, actually, because I, I've traveled yeah. with you enough on airplanes where <laughs> I see you demand your food on the plane. I'm like, okay. I don't demand my food, but I do I do get up for it. I never <laughs> miss the airplane in-flight meal. Never. It's so it's always like so comforting oh, for some man. reason. Even when it's like but you we get, get to, on a plane at 1 a.m. Yeah. and then they serve quote-unquote dinner at 2 a.m. Oh, I don't know why. Man, but okay. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love it. They So now I got a sense of the inner workings of airlines <laughs> through this game because all they do is stick it in a microwave. It's a burger and they heat it up in the yep, oven yep. and then they make the drinks in the dispenser. And it's a very cramped setup. But like, I mean, it just reminds me of travel, I guess. And we're all getting out there soon. So, you know, if you're still in a place where you're not traveling, but you kind of miss the experience, the sound effects in this are actually kind of good too, I, other than yeah. the people being very impatient. <laughs> I don't know. Where did you find on, this? Yeah. What? I so uh, full disclosure. I was looking for the word chef because I was looking for another game, <laughs> and then I saw this pop up in the Play Store listing, and I was like, "All right, I'll check this one out." And it was just weirdly addicting. I just yeah. Anyhow, it's on iOS and Android, and so basically everyone can play it. And uh, yeah, I, I have fun with it. So you might too. <laughs> and I'm addicted. So addicted. Oh man, we gotta find some better games for Shirlin. Please drop us some suggestions <laughs> at podcastinggadget.com. And thank you all for joining us, folks. Why don't you uh, take us out? All right, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to tweet me which airlines have the best in-flight food or snacks, I am on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Stay mobile, my friends. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm never on video when I say that. It's so awkward. Thank you for Yay! asking. <laughs>